Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. The PK Podcast is a weekly conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the promotional products business. I'm Bobby Lee Hugh. Joining us on today's podcast, as always, my co-host, Mark Graham. And today's topic is going to be about technology and technology trends. Mark and I um, and many people just returned from a couple of the shows, the ASI show uh, in Orlando, as well as, of course, the Big Expo. And, Mark, you had a class on technology, and I also hosted a panel that you also were on um, on technology and what did you feel like were some of the trends what do you think what do you, where do you think the industry is at when it comes to technology these days well thanks bobby i um in, in the presentation that I gave at the expo, I, I focused in on three things that I thought were big trends uh, in technology, but specifically trends that were going to filter down to the promotional products industry for 2012 and 2013 and beyond. Um, Number one was cloud computing and software as a service, or SaaS. Uh, number two, uh, the rise of social media, but particularly social media within the enterprise and, and a trend that is known as enterprise collaboration or enterprise social software. And then number three is the, uh, the impact and the influence of the consumer on IT enterprise uh, uh, um, IT departments and just how the consumer is now coming into the enterprise and is starting to really uh, dictate how technology should operate within the business and before the IT departments were the ones that were really in charge and we're really starting to see a shift and, and it's interesting to see how that's starting to impact the promotional industry and then finally then we explored some uh, specific applications that people can use within their businesses that dovetail back uh, or sorry that uh, go and support these different trends that I spoke about. So what are some of your, this is a little random right now, but what are some of your favorite daily use technology tools that you use? Well, uh, the, the, probably the top three would be Google Apps. Google Apps is Microsoft's uh, answer to, or sorry, is Google's answer to Microsoft Office. So some of the key components of Google Apps are the Gmail application or similar to Outlook. Uh, number two is the calendar application. Uh, then there's also spreadsheets, presentations, and documents. But what's neat about the Google Apps uh, platform is A, it is for companies that have fewer than 10 users and for those companies that have more than 10 users it comes to $50 per user per year so that is a lot less expensive than investing in one of the more expensive um, exchange servers that you would get from Microsoft right um, number two that's really neat about Google Apps is the collaborative sharing cloud-based nature of the application so that means that people that want to create a document can collaborate and share online and can update that uh, content in real time. Uh, of course, Bobby, that's how we publish a lot of our articles in Promo Kitchen. And right. as you well know, that all of the editors are now sharing that information via Google Docs and are able to update that information in real time right on the web. Do you find, um, your, do you find yourself using Dropbox as much or more than Google Docs or both simultaneously, both at the same time you use them both? Yeah, you know, it, 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 that's a great question. Um, I, uh, I, I see Dropbox as, as serving a different purpose than, uh, than, than Google Apps. And the, and, and the reason I say that is uh, Dropbox is, is, a, is a virtual drive 
on your computer. And it allows you to put files, uh, uh, just different files other than Google files, into that application. So if, let's say, you're sharing Word documents or photographs or, let's say, mock-ups of something, you can dump that into a Dropbox and then you can then use that to share between different people. We even use it as a low-budget FTP uh, service as well. So if, let's say we're looking to share a really large file, we'll invite someone into a Dropbox folder and then they have access to that. So it means we don't have to email a 30 megabyte file. Um, so Dropbox is more of the virtual drive where Google Apps is more of the more of the collaborative Microsoft Office in the cloud. Do, do your reps and your, do your staff, do they use Google Apps? Is that how they share documents back and back and forth? Absolutely. So we moved to Google Apps about three years ago at, at my distributorship, Right Sleeve, and we did that because we were exploring uh, an alternative to Microsoft Exchange. And we were getting to the point where we needed to make that investment into an Exchange server. And we looked at the costs of Exchange, uh, which were higher than Google Apps. We also in, uh, weighted against the fact that we had to uh, manage that mail server. We had to manage it uh, against spam. We had to manage it for viruses and looked at the alternatives with Google Apps and said, you know what, we're not going to have to worry about any of that if we move to the Google platform. Yeah. Um, so when we moved to that Google platform, not only did we get the email, which was the first immediate benefit, as well as the shared calendars, but then we got access to Google Docs, which is documents, presentations, and spreadsheets. And just having access to that meant that everyone was able to change how it is that they worked and shared information with one another. Right. We, our team we use Basecamp a lot, and it kind of serves as a as a Google Apps. Um, it is a range where, and I'm sure you can do this with Google Apps too. A range by client, so we have yep. a list of client projects, um, and typically these are your larger clients. So there's multiple projects going on all the time. Certain team members are assigned to those project paths, and that's where you can go to find the material, the estimating quotes, and things like that. So we've been using Basecamp. It's been a great tool, um, and I could easily see somebody making an argument for that or Google Apps yeah. um, strongly. Um, well, and I think, and, and it's, uh, Bobby, you, you've shown me what you've done with Basecamp, and I blew my mind. Um, and and I, I think that the, the difference, and I'm not sure if you'd agree with this, is that Basecamp is more of a... Uh, collab or sorry, a project management, task management tool right. for teams, whereas Google Apps is less focused on that stuff. Right. Um, sure, there might be uh, plugins that you can access through the Google Apps marketplace that allow you to plug into Google Apps uh, or allow you to plug in task management software uh, mm -hmm. programs into it. But Basecamp is very much uh, about. Uh, project management, assigning tasks, and updating each individual party. I, I know that we certainly would never use Google Apps for that because there's not really anything right. um, uh, uh, built into it to accomplish that function. Right. Well, hey, let me, let's switch gears for a minute because when um, I hosted the technology panel, something fascinating happened. And, of course, we know when you do panels, you want to be sensitive to what the audience wants to talk about. One of the statements I led with to try and get us started right was that you know, in 2010, the State of the Industry report from ASI said there were 16.1% of the overall industry sales were generated online, 16%. In 2000, only 5% of our industry sales were generated online. And what I was trying to get at, but I don't think we got there, and, and we did later. I'll tell, I'll tell you an interesting story. What I was trying to get at is look at look at that growth from 2000 to 2010. Some would say it hasn't been very significant. 
But when you look at how slow the increased um, online activity was in the first part of that decade, you could argue that that proliferation really occurred in you know in, in the past five or six years, probably. Yep. And we know yeah, yeah. E- e-commerce has been slow. And you were early to the game, so you know this better than most. What What's interesting is we were all trying to talk about kind of in terms of 2012. When the meeting ended, it was myself, Del Denham, and a few other folks. And, and we actually had best part of the conversation, but I felt bad for those attending, but they can listen to it on Promo Kitchen now. Well, because, you know, I wasn't part of it. That's why it was a great conversation, right? I was <laughs> well, off the panel, and it was the, great. The question was we were all sort of, I think, too caught up in what's the immediate future. We weren't yeah. necessarily thinking about five years from now, so I posed the question, yeah. what do you think e-commerce looks like five years from now for our industry? Do you think it's going to – right? because wouldn't you agree that the, the, basic, uh, the basic understanding that everybody had was, well, it's going to be very slow growth. E-commerce is just going to constantly be a very slow to take in our industry. Yeah. But five years from now, is that a different ballgame? Oh, that's a great question. I, I know that I really struggled in that presentation with some of those statements. And you know, you had showed the the zero moment of truth video, and uh, and and I felt that I was constantly um, pricking a, uh, uh, the balloon, so to speak, in terms of excitement about e-commerce. And well, but in fairness so, to you, that's because you'd already been there. You actually built an e-commerce platform. Before most people, before a lot of people were really doing it, so you had already yeah. been through the initial. This is going to bank my business. This is going to be it. And uh, even though you probably had a more conservative approach, but that's typically the, the the approach I see folks taking. So I was actually using the class as my own personal incubator because I, I've got skin in the game in this too. You know, we want to make sure that we're developing something um, here at Robin that's going to going to be beneficial. So I was curious what the market's response. I cut you off, but go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I appreciate you giving me more context. I, I think for for me, having uh, having uh, built the first iteration of our e-commerce platform about six years ago, there's no question that our e-commerce platform has allowed us to scale and grow over the last five, six years. It has been very successful. No question about it. However, I've been surprised by the results. I think that this is really what the this is the point that I wanted to drive uh, drive home. Our site is very appealing to a lot of people because we've got uh, uh, sizes, we've got colors, we've got pricing information, the ability to place an order if they wish, the ability to rate and review, the ability to see what other people have said about our products. So it's a very inviting place. And then we've also mixed it with some nice design that showcases the culture of our organization, which is a huge part of our sales process. However, I thought that when we built the e-commerce site that we were going to get nothing but pure orders that were going to be coming in left, right, and center, and they're going to be high quality, and that uh, it was going to be really simple to process these transactions. And that's not what happened. We got a lot of garbage that right. came in. Right. Small a business. Lot of garbage. A, lot of, a lot of tiny business. A lot of tiny business, a lot of people that didn't know anything about artwork, a lot of people that were balking at prices, just a lot of people that were a complete waste of time. So if we were focusing on B2B, we were getting B2C requests for family reunions and right. you know, for seven ceramic coffee mugs, a complete waste of time. So that's the bad part, and that's what I wanted to drive home in that discussion. But the good part is that it has driven a lot of interest and a lot of phone calls into our account team. 
And our account team is, has been trained to be strategic, has been trained to be creative, and has been trained to convert those, uh, those calls that come in so that way that we're able to really uh, get the business that we're looking for, which is the high margin, high volume, strategic, very sticky, very, um, it's almost a more integrated approach where there's design, there's some strategy, maybe some social media that's built in. And that's so hard to do if you have a pure four imprint type site. And four yeah. imprint for the record is wonderful. They've done an amazing job of setting up an e-commerce site, but I think that they may struggle getting that more strategic business, which is what we really wanted. Yeah. And it sounds, so it's, it sounds like most of the industry that sort of initially gets into the e-commerce model, they, it's almost as if they start out saying this is going to generate a lot of new business for us, when in fact Absolutely. what it might be doing is um, anchoring you more so with your existing clients. Because I'm sure you have clients that do a lot of face-to-face -face interaction with your reps and, and your team, but they're glad now that they have a resource because they want to do business with a reliable partner. Yep. And would, yep. uh, would you say that is a that is a common mistake, or uh, am I off off base? <laughs> no, no, I, th I think you're absolutely right. And I know Bobby, you and I have chatted about this because you're you're looking at going down that e-commerce path, and you and I have had some pretty spirited discussions about this. And mm -hmm. um, it, it's interesting. I've talked to a lot of people where they say, you know, I've just set up this e-commerce site. I'm so excited about it. And then I'll run into them four months later and say, how does that working for you? And they go, complete waste of time. Yeah. And I feel that there's almost this attitude of, hey, if we build it, people will come. Right. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Right. If you look at the success of a four imprint, and I don't want to speak for them, although we should get Kevin Lyons-Tar onto a podcast. Right, he sure. can maybe speak more intelligently right. about this. But if I was to make an assumption as to why they've been uh, so successful is because they market the heck out of their site and they are very, very focused on what they want their consumers to do when they go to forimprint.com. Yeah. And that's why they've been successful. They've spent an, an, uh, an obscene amount of money marketing that site and have done a very good job with it. Yeah. Um, I think that the, the smaller distributors who think they're going to become like for imprint just by having a, you know, a boilerplate site, uh, that's e-commerce enabled, they, they're completely way off. And what I was trying to drive home there is set up that e-commerce site. That's fine. It's great to show that to show your customers that you're now in the 21st century and that you're ready for business online. However, do not abandon the basic relationship principles that have got you to your current level of success. Make sure you don't abandon that. Continue to invest in that marketing. Continue to invest in those relationships complemented with the e-commerce site, that's fine. But don't abandon what has got you to where you are right now. Do you think in five years from five years from now, e-commerce will begin to replace the face-to-face -face salesperson? Oh, we think about this all the time here. I, I really think that you're going to have a, a, a very interesting divide. You're going to have on one side, you're going to have the pure e-commerce players, the 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 uh, the people that have invested millions into their platform, the four imprints, the branders, discount mugs to a certain extent, e-promos, the usual suspects, and these are the people that are going to be really going for that share of wallet with the customers that want to be transactionally focused, and that's it. On the other side of the equation, you're going to have companies that likely like Right Sleeve or the Robins that are that are still very 
digitally aware and sophisticated, but also have the resources to really create those creative campaigns for, uh, for more sophisticated clients that need to have their handheld, that don't want to be messing around with an e-commerce site when they're designing a product launch that involves 17 different SKUs and 14 different pieces of new artwork. They just yeah. don't want to be doing that online. It will never, ever work online. Right. You know, um, so that, that's where I think you're going to get. And the, all the people in the middle are going to be in real trouble. Yeah. Yeah, we, you nailed it because I think what's what's the bad news is we're actually it's going to require a, a little of everything. Uh, and I don't mean yeah. just everything, but you're going to have to have that presence. You're going I, you know I'm speaking um this week to a college associate marketing association group and my mind is going to some of these folks could be potential customers for ours uh, of ours in as little as 2 or 3 years depending on where yep. they're at. And yep. what are they expecting from us as a partner for them? And I would think that some of them are going to land in that spot of digital only. Some of them are going to land in that consultative spot. But it's almost as if the bad news for most of us is we've got to develop both. We've got I to have a solid brick and mortar, um, it, it, even if I'm speaking just virtually only, um, and you've got to have a solid presence. I, I, I on, on, on the other side, absolutely. And a lot of people will will say, uh, well, look what happened to the travel business. And could that not happen to the promotional business? And I think the answer is absolutely it could. However, I think the one saving grace that we have that the travel agents did not have working for them is that we are in a custom business. Yes. Custom business where, right. Bobby, you and I both sell the same SKUs all day long. Okay, We both sell Gildan 5000s all day long. However, it's not really the same SKU because my has a logo for company XYZ and you have a logo for company ABC. Yeah. And that is a unique SKU to Robin or a unique SKU to right sleeve. And that's what was not the um, – in, in the case of the travel business, it was a flight from Toronto to San Francisco right. on either Air Canada or Delta or Northwest or whatever the case may be. There was no customization. You could build a software system that allowed you to – manage all those different components, which effectively shut all those guys out. But you know what's interesting? We talk about this a lot at Right Sleeve. There's a great company in Toronto called Gap Adventures, G-A-P Adventures. Look them up online. I think it's gapadventures.com. And they uh, are a travel company that plans excursions for, uh, for uh, people of all ages and stages in their life, all around the world, and these really fun, dynamic adventures that they bring people on. And it is a high margin, high growth, successful business. And this guy who started Gap started probably 15, 20 years ago, even before the web. And he has been able to grow and scale and make his business uh, uh, one of the crown jewels in the Canadian business scene, uh, despite the fact that Expedia or the Travelocity or all of these brands have emerged that have commoditized the base part of his business. And I see, I often make comparisons to Right Sleeve and to the Robins and the brand fuels of the world being the gap adventures of the promotional products business. Branders for imprint discount mugs are the Expedias of the business and both are growing rapidly. But you'll notice there's not the little mom and pop guy that is working on the second floor of some cheesy retail shop in your local market that is now booking flights for you. That guy is out of business. In yeah. five years, I really see it either being one or the other in the promotional products business. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Good advice, Mark. Well, you know, if, if the, we, we love this commitment that we have to mentoring young folks in the business and people new to the business. And if you're 25 and you're deciding, I think we might have just saved somebody thousands and thousands of dollars yet on the same and by the same token they do need to pay attention to that they need to think about investing it they just don't need to think about investing at all in that model unless they're totally convinced they're going that route well and i think that this was the good news um that came out of that session because i think a lot of people come into those uh tech panels like the one that you were uh, moderating bobby and in, in expo and they're all worried that for imprint and discount mugs and branders right. are going to put them out of business. And you know what? To some extent, they should be worried. Absolutely. But I always find that it's, it, there's always this really gloomy air about uh, uh, some of the distributors that may be a little bit more traditional and they're just worried they're going to get their butts kicked. And my point was, don't be worried about that. Yes, I suppose be worried about it. But at the end of the day, you don't need to be for imprint. Yes, you can go and get yourself a nice e-commerce site that doesn't cost you a lot of money. You can go speak to ASI. You can go speak to Sage. You can go speak to Shopify. It's not going to set you back that much. But continue to invest in the things that have made you amazing, the creativity, the relationships, the design, all the stuff that have made you an amazing distributor. You need to focus on that more. Just get a little bit aware of what's going on in the online space. And be incredible and invaluable to your customers. And then you're going to then be that person in five years that is kicking ass as opposed to the guy who's just sitting there selling cattle or shipping out catalogs and taking orders for the Gildan 5000. Like he's, he is going to be dead um, if he's not adding any additional value. And right. That, 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 that was my takeaway. Right. Good stuff. Well, Mark, our time has run out, my friend. And uh, I should have just, I, I just said, hit record and said, Mark's going to talk about technology. Go. And then I could have come well, back in like twenty. <laughs> so, so here's what's going to happen the next one. I actually feel I feel badly, Bob, Bobby, that we weren't. You know, you're actually the smart one on no, this. No, on this no, no. I think people and, know. I think people know the score here. Here, but but I loved it. I mean, it's glad. I mean, I, this is a topic you're obviously passionate about, and it's a topic that I have, have really worked hard to at least stay attuned to. Uh, but it's and I love these conversations about technology because I was. This is what this is why I love. I've given you a hard time about it, but I love one. I was at the. Uh, I won't say which event I was at. I was at an event. It was a pretty high-profile event. And I had a guy at the table say, uh, I don't even know why technology is an issue for our industry. I think it's one of the least important issues. And I said, I think it's actually the single most important issue. It's just a matter of we have to define what it is we're talking about when we say technology. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that just allows us to make sure the discussion is – is kept on track. Yeah. But what I will say to our respectable listeners, Bobby, well, is that whoever's left of that res- left of that respectful audience, go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Is that what what will be very funny here? Is that you know because I I spent a lot of time just blabbing on about my views on technology in the next five years. Bobby is going to internalize everything that I've said in the next <laughs> podcast. He's going to tear me to shreds, and everything that I will have said, he'll say, "Well, this is why you're wrong." Yeah. So. Look forward to the next podcast, everyone. Right. Thanks for the setup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> thanks, folks. We do really appreciate folks that have tuned in. And we do have some exciting episodes coming up. I don't want to tip my hand too much, but I know just two that we have that are fantastic. You and I both can't wait for. So uh, we will be talking to folks then. Mark, anything else? Uh, no, that is, uh, that is it. And uh, thanks so much. That was fun to talk about. All right, man. Take care of yourself. You got it. <laughs>